Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, it's me and I want to thank everyone at the Oasis Podcast. As you were. Hello and welcome back to the Oasis podcast, the ultimate audio guide to Oasis. We are very close to the new Noel Gallagher album, Council Skies, finally being with us. So that is very exciting. And today we are going to be hearing from someone who was very lucky. Uh, He got a golden ticket, a.k.a. he got to go and see Noel Gallagher perform a small set at Alexandra Palace, um, for the Jules Holland, uh, later with Jules Holland show, a special that's coming up with Noel. And uh, yeah, that is Remy uh, Vassiluk. And uh, yeah, Remy's a good guy and has been a uh, fan of the podcast from the very, very beginning. So really great to talk to Remy. And because one of the tracks that Noel performed was Going Nowhere, which he performed for the very first time, um, it just so happens that that is the next track on the Oasis A to Z. So we talked about that as well. So we go deep into that. So yeah, really fun chat with Remy. Great guy. I hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get into that, just to see what's going on in the news. uh, Liam Gallagher was in Lake Como this week. Uh, A bunch of his uh, various family members were all um, putting out Instagram photos and stuff. The rumour was that maybe he's getting married. Um, As of the date of this recording... There's been no confirmation that he did get married, so it sounds like it was just a holiday that he just happened to bring all his family to. So, yeah, so whether we find out that, you know, if he turns up rocking a massive great big wedding ring, then we'll we'll know it was a wedding. But, uh, yeah, as of now, it just sounds like a holiday. But anyway, that's exciting. Um, and on the Noel side of things, the first few reviews of Council Skies have come out. The record collector uh, review was pretty good. He says, um, obviously, I'm not going to read the whole review, but generally it's all very positive. It says, uh, a blissed feel peaks on the gorgeous open the door, see what you find. This album, Champagne Supernova, for its unabashed big dreams and bigger chorus, before There She Blows manages to carry that epic quality into juddering guitars and West Coast harmonies. For anyone missing the simple abandon of cigarettes now call or acquiesce, head to Love is a Rich Man for proof Gallagher can still do convincing breakneck nonsense when he wants. Now, convincing breakneck nonsense is exactly what I want, so that does sound very good. And we also got a review in Mojo magazine, and thank you very much for Louise from... Stop crying your heart out for collating this and putting it out because otherwise you'd have to go and buy the magazine. Um, it got four stars. And the summation is, uh, all in all, Council Skies is very much creative success. It's the sound of Noel Gallagher pushing onwards while once again playing to his strengths. So yeah, it all sounded very positive, very much looking forward to it. 
a few more interviews that Noel did. Nothing too exciting, to be honest. So we won't pull any clips here. But yeah, the uh, Late Late Show one is um, is worth a watch. Um, it's nice to see him sort of going on Irish TV. It's all good fun. Um, so anyway, that will do it for the news. Uh, let's crack on then with this interview with Remy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. All right, welcome to the Oasis podcast, the ultimate audio guide to Oasis. Someone that's been there from the very start, one of my earliest listeners and people that interacted, and you've sent me a few messages, but I don't think you've ever been on before, have you, Remy? I haven't, no, um, which is crazy, right? How many years has this been going for now? Seven years, April 17. Yeah, wow. So I think I do recall sending in a audio message quite early on that you played, and I remember feeling it was very strange listening back to my voice. I think talking about a couple of the um, random times that I sort of bumped into Noel Gallagher in the streets of London as a bit of a as a bit of a fanboy. I remember doing that. Yeah, I see. I love that, and that's still every time I listen to Everybody's on a Run. I kind of that's one of those little memories <laughs> that I have linked to that. So, do you want to just uh, yeah? Do you want to just remind us of the, of that little run in? Uh, you know, excuse the pun with Noel. Yeah, well, that was the second time I bumped into him. Actually, the first time was on on my birthday. Um, a few years previous to that, I was having some beers with a friend out, with some friends, work friends outside um, my office in central London and Noel Gallagher walked past and I remember sort of quivering at the knees a little bit because he's someone that I'd always wanted to meet. And I kind of went over to him and just said, Noel, can I have a picture? And he said, uh, no, not today, mate. And he's kind of moody, don't, don't interrupt me kind of way. And he kind of walked off and I just sort of stood there deflated with my friends. And thought, oh my God, never meet your heroes, kind of thing, and just sort of carried on with my, with my pint. And literally a couple of minutes later, he came walking back around the corner from a shop that he'd visited, and I just thought I'll, I'll try my luck again. And I was like, No, come on, it's my birthday. Can I have a, can I have my picture with you? And he kind of reluctantly said yes and gave me a few seconds of his time, and I got a great picture, which 
which meant a lot to me really. And um, so I was, I was super pleased. But yeah, anyway, a couple of years later, I was running around Regent's Park um, on like a work lunch break and I saw him and his wife walking um, and I came running up behind them and I thought, well, usually I'd kind of want to stop and speak to him, but I've kind of got there and had my moment. So I didn't want to bother him again, but I came running up behind him and was just like, no, everybody's on the run, sort of excuse me, dropping a kind of song lyric into him, thinking I was being um, hilarious. And uh, of course he didn't think I was, I just saw him roll his eyelids at me and I kind of ran past and got on with my day. But um, yeah, I was pleased with myself for dropping in a stupid smarky comment, but um, and not having to bother him again. <laughs> didn't he say dickhead? I think oh, that's right. Yes, I think he did. Yes, I think he, yeah, dickhead. That's what he did. He rolled his eyes and kind of went dick. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. That's great. See, I love it. Guys that live in North London, that just occasionally you do bump into them. You know, like I know that uh, Katie, uh, Georgie lives in like in and around um, North London. And yeah, I think she just bumps into Gem in, in Waitrose every now and then. It just, you know, they all live like so close to each other, don't they? In, in a few miles radius around what Highgate area. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not too far from there at all. Um, but apart from those two meetings with with Noel, I've not bumped into, into any of them. Um, I used to live very close again in in crouch end never never seen him um i I've saw i saw liam once but didn't want to to bother him that was uh he was at a bar i think it was before the brit awards a number of years ago when he was kind of in that sort of lull of not really being kind of that famous anymore and not knowing what he wanted to do with himself and he was sort of drinking quietly with his now wife outside a bar in fitzrovia and no one was bothering him, right? He was kind of just by himself having a drink. Uh, I don't think he was going to the Brit Awards. I just remember it being being the Brit Awards that time. And it's quite funny how those things kind of come in cycles, right? You know, it would have been 10 years previous. He wouldn't have probably been able to go anywhere without being hounded. And and again, now I'm sure he'll get hassled everywhere he goes. But yeah, because he was with his wife and having like, you know, a private drink or whatever, I didn't think it was appropriate to to go up to him and speak to him but um yeah it would be good to bump into him at some point yeah no that's that's uh that's mad isn't it and and like a mate of mine who, who lives in london has um yeah he's bumped into him a few times well i think it's like if you know the pubs they go to then yeah. they just tend to go to the same pubs and then you you kind of know that there's a good chance you'll you'll see them if you if you go to, if you spend enough time hanging around in that pub then like it is they'll they'll come in at some point but um yeah exactly and i yeah, think yeah, liam's moved nearer to where he's a bit more keeping it real now i don't think he's in highgate anymore i think he's moved nearer to to muswell hill which is uh which is still very nice but it's not quite the highgate Hampstead that he once was right well fair enough um cool well look the, the reason um obviously it's been great to have you on but the, the big trigger for it is you know like talking about seeing the guys in person you saw noel gallagher from a few feet away um what two nights ago now recording this thing for yeah. jules how, number one how the hell did you get a ticket and number two why didn't you take me you bastard <laughs> yeah it was it was quite mad i mean this was the this was the jules holland performance on on tuesday night i've i've been in the audience at jules holland before from just being on the the mailing list i think i randomly who did i see i believe it was um adele actually in the height of her fame um and you know, I've, 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 I've always watched the programme, not really kind of 
followed the, the, the mailing list or been on it for, for many a year. Anyway, I, I got a message um, from one of the local dads from my school on over the weekend saying, I've got two tickets to see Noel Gallagher, Jules Holland on Tuesday night. I know you're, you're an Oasis Noel fan. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, great. That, that, that sounds fantastic. Um, anyway, I, I've had a few conversations with him before, but I, I didn't sort of know too much of the background. But it turns out that his sister, Kat, works for Ignition and has been kind of Noel's sort of artist management for pretty much since the beginning. So for the last, I think at least for the last 27 years. So whenever there's stuff like that, he, he often gets tickets. But I, I, you know, I assumed that what it was, was just Noel being on a regular episode of Later and I'd be going to it and seeing him as the main person do two or three songs. Um, but it turned out having met him on the train to go up to Ali Pali where, it, where it's filmed at sort of six o'clock on Tuesday night, he was like, no, 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 if, if I got these sisters, these tickets from my sister, it's not your standard Jules Holland. I think, I think this, is a, this is a special and it will be... Um, the whole, you know, just just Noel Gallagher doing like an hour special or whatever, and I was like, oh my god, really? Um, yeah, and it and it turned out it was. It was, you know, Noel and his full band with an orchestra recording um, a, a special. I'm sure to go out in a few weeks' time in conjunction with his new album coming out. So yeah, quite a quite a special evening, must say. Wow, and so it's at Ali Pali, but it's that sort of Jules Hollandy setup. So there's. You know, so it's yeah. not obviously Ali Pali holds a few thousand, you know, from like watching the darts and stuff. But this is only what is it, you about 50 people there or something? Maybe not many more than that. I've, so next sort of as part of Ali Pali, there's an old theatre that I think has been sitting derelict for years. And I, I think it got a load of lottery funding and it's been refurbished. So, yeah, it's a theatre with like an upstairs gallery. I would imagine when it's being used for the for the full Jules Holland show, they they can obviously set up quite a lot of bands on the stage floor by removing all of the seats, but they had the whole thing set up for a special just with, just with Noel and his band and the, and the strings, et cetera. And then, yeah, there was, I don't know who the people would have been upstairs watching, you know, 50, a hundred people, obviously record label people. Um, I was sitting next to, or just a few seats along from, from Fenners from Stocker AM. I think he always seems to get tickets for things like that. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and um, yeah, and a lot of people were, you know, coming up to my friend Charlie's sister, Kat, who's, you know, the, the Noel Artist Management sort of thanking, thanking them for tickets and for sorting it out. So, yeah, I would imagine everybody there was a sort of selected artist friends and, and, and management type thing. But yeah, it, quite, quite special to, to be seeing it from that close. That's for sure. Wow. And, and around the whole thing, I take it when you do these TV things, it's not necessarily like a just a normal gig was there sort of you know, TV producers walking around telling you where to stand and things like that? Yeah, so we turned up, um, We were, well, I got forwarded a message on from my friend saying, you know, what we had to, you know, wear dark clothes, get there at a certain time, this is how it's going to film, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So we had to get there for, for seven o'clock where we went into this holding pen. Well, first of all, we were given, you know, my friend was like Charlie plus one, everyone was kind of getting their, their wristbands to get into the show. Uh, pink wristbands and we were given a gold wristband and I was like oh this is this is a bit special kind of what does that mean um, turned out nothing different but um, it felt I was like wondering what was going to happen at that point but yeah now we went into a holding pen and we were kind of just standing there for like 15 minutes waiting to to go in no sort of 
bar area or or, or whatever. Um, a lot of Noel's bands were coming out to have you know, cigarettes and a natter. Um, Noel and Gem weren't there, but pretty much everybody else was there. Um, I think, yeah, Noel's daughter was walking through. And yeah, and that was at that point, I think I really began to realise that this was it's going to be a yeah an old, an old Gallagher special. You could just tell by the people that were there, etc. And then yeah, we got we got ushered into the to the viewing gallery. Charlie, who I was with, um, saw this older geezer with a bald head, bald head, and started talking to him. I said, "Oh hi, nice nice to see you again." Turned out that was Marcus Russell. He's like, "That's the boss." Hmm. I kind of know who that was. So yeah, Marcus was just sort of sitting there at the back with a, with, a, with a few people, and then everyone sort of filed in. Um, and yeah, and we just sat there for a good sort of 20 minutes looking down and sort of watching what was happening. So, I mean, there's enough people in Noel's band and then all the, the orchestra and the strings, but there was double that kind of around filming it in terms of cameramen, microphone, directors, producers, et cetera, kind of getting everybody ready. So no one was mic'd up at that point, but you could kind of see Noel mingling around with his band um, sitting down on some speakers, getting some sort of press photographs taken, etc., and then conversations happening between like Jules Holland and the band and um, all of the production people about how the show was going to work. Um, so I'm sure the sound check had happened. We didn't we didn't get to see any of that, but we had to kind of do a few sort of. We were encouraged by the production team to kind of clap and cheer and record us and. Jules Holland was cracking a few gags about how we, how we were the best audience that he'd he'd known on his show and how he was going to use our kind of clapping and enthusiasm for all his shows moving forward. So <laughs> yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then yeah, the the recording itself was was done as live. So it was um, about forty five minutes of music, eight tracks with with Noel giving an interview after the third song. So yeah, it was you know, a, a, a cracking kind of pinch yourself moment. We were out by, I think, quarter to nine, told quite firmly not to be using our camera or any recording mm. during it, which, you know, I, I took a few photographs, but I'd love to have recorded a few sound snippets to give you a bit more of an insight into what the new songs sounded like. I can kind yeah. of give you a bit of a snippet, but in terms of any kind of detailed um, analysis of what it what it was like or who it sounded like I'm, I'm kind of lacking that memory, so I have to come back to you on that. <laughs> well, no, they'll be, was... they'll be out soon enough, won't they? It's only what it's June the second, so we're only, you know, a couple of weeks away now. Yeah, but I've got no idea when the show is going to be going out. I, I checked the Jules Holland website. I think the, um, the first show of the new series does start or is on TV this weekend, but oh, okay, I think it's Hosier and a few other Arlo Parks and a few other people. So whether the old one will be saved to the week of his album release or. You'd imagine so. That's normal, isn't it? Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, look, should we go through? So so it starts off with you've got Council Skies with the big orchestra and everything. And then yeah. and then uh, Going Nowhere. Now, that's that's probably the, the one that really piqued my interest because that's one that, you know, has never been played before. That was really exciting to see that. Yeah, it was amazing. Right. I think um, he did the first song. Sounded great with with strings. Better live than... Um, than the song is, I think, and I, I know you've kind of cast your comment on it, and I, I think the same thing about Council Skies. It does feel like a bit of a rehash of some of his old songs. Yeah, it's 
before he introduced going nowhere, he, he kind of said, here's one for the connoisseurs and one I believe I've never played live before, um, which I don't know if you've looked into it. I, I tried to check. I don't think he has ever played it live before. And Oasis certainly didn't. So, yeah, the, the strings started, or at least the horn started, I think, at the beginning part of it. And then I realised what it was he was performing. And, uh, yeah, I was a bit blown away, to be honest, because as much as I'm an absolute massive Oasis fan, I think kind of the, the, the main thing for me has always been my kind of interest in Noel Gallagher and his, and his songwriting more than maybe oasis overall so to hear that was kind of quite incredible and you know at that particular time for me i think you know i'm a similar age to you as much as we know the first two oasis albums were peak oasis i think being kind of 16 17 at the time of be here now when you're at that moment of music meaning everything to you i've got such a fond memory of, of that moment in time and particularly kind of some of the more melancholy type Noel Gallagher tracks. Um, so that song's always meant a lot to me. So to hear that live um, and not actually knowing it was the first time it had been performed live was, yeah, was pretty special. Very special, just you and a few other people, eh? So we'll come back to that because Going Nowhere, ironically, it's quite funny. This is the first time it's ever been played live because it's the next song in our uh, A to Z. But let's finish off talking about the the Jewel stuff and then we'll go back and dig into that song a little bit more. So then we go Pretty Boy. And, and thankfully, I think it's a guy called Brendan uh, McGeever on Twitter. Is, um, he's the one who he got a photo of the set list as well. And so I don't know how he managed to get that. He must have like snuck onto the stage or something. But you didn't you didn't blag yourself a set list. No, I didn't blag myself a set list. I don't know how he got that. He must have been asking for it afterwards, I suppose, because there's no way you could get down to the floor level where right. all the audience was sitting was was up above it. But yeah, so Pretty Boy was was next. Um, but for me, I mean, when I heard Pretty Boy for the first time, I thought, yeah, it's a good, good song and it didn't sound too much of a departure from some of the EP stuff that Noel released a few years ago. So I must admit, I wasn't expecting... Um, the sort of sound that we're starting to hear from the majority of songs from, from Council Skies. So I was a little bit kind of like, yeah, it's good. It's all right. Um, what I've never liked that much about the track is the kind of drum machine sound to it. And after hearing two great tracks with the sort of strings and horns behind them to then go to Pretty Boy starting with a, with a drum machine, it felt a bit sort of a, a bit of an anticlimax at that point but yeah I, I still like the song once the once the, the chorus kicks in um Chris Sharrock starts playing the drums as well so it was it was good to hear that and again first time I would have heard that song live so yeah yeah it was a yeah great song excellent and then the next up we've got a new song called chat with jewels I don't know what, what was that one like <laughs> chat with jewels yeah interesting so he, he, I mean Noel was you know typical Noel funny um charming in parts, making the audience laugh. But I think um, there was nothing particularly 
insightful about it. It's like there's the same, if you're an Oasis fan, like all of us are, um, most of the stories we've either chatted about or heard, right? So I think, you know, he, he spoke about the, the the bumping into Keith Richards on holiday and um, dropped the C-bomb on uh, on Jules Holland. So whether or not that's going to get um, going to get played out will, will be interesting to hear. Um, yeah, he was asked obviously about the the Council Skies title and how he got the idea from an artist friend of his. Um, for me, the the interesting part that he was talking about that I wasn't as aware of was kind of a bit more on his sort of songwriting process. So he kind of talked about how, obviously, we know he, he speaks a lot about noodling with his guitar, but mm. I didn't realise that once he had those initial concepts, he kind of sat and spent more time with is it Paul Stacey. You know, yep. the two that kind of flesh out the songs a little bit together um, before they then take it into the studio and um, and work on it with with the full band. So that was that was quite interesting. But yeah, apart from apart from that, there was no real kind of nuggets of of anything that that we wouldn't have been aware of. I don't mm. think that is interesting actually, because I know obviously we know that Paul Stacey's a massive been a massive part of it all the way going back to like be here now. He's been in and around the Oasis world. But I didn't know he sort of he would flesh out the songs with Paul Stacey, Strange Boy before going to the studio. That's that's an interesting one I hadn't realised actually. Yeah, no, I hadn't. So yeah, it, it seems like he's the kind of sense checker for Noel. He's the person that he'll kind of play around with on the on, on the tracks and get some get some ideas with and whether or not Strange Boy is putting in some additional guitar or whatever, and then they mm. take them into the studio, and then everyone else adds their bits, and it and it grows from there. But yeah, that was that was a new nugget that was interesting, interesting for me as well. That is interesting. And just to say, um, if people don't, I haven't, I, I bring this up occasionally, but Oasis Mania, the the site that do Facebook and and social media, they're assholes. Um, this guy Brendan, who's who's a listener, got in touch, and he he was the one who took the photos that he put on the uh, Oasis Collectors Group on Facebook, and then Oasis mainly just ripped them and put them out on their own uh, channels without crediting him. So, yes. you know, Oasis Mania, and then what happens with Oasis Mania is if you call them out on that, they then block you. So I've been blocked by Oasis Mania. So don't follow them, they're assholes. Uh, anyway, on that, on that positive note, next up we had uh, a new song, Love is a Rich Man. Yes. Um, well, I mean, it wasn't until looking back on the set list that it, I mean, I have, I have no idea what the song was about, but but looking at the title, you do, you do wonder if it's some kind of song about his divorce, speaking mm. to his wife, you know, lyrically. Um, no idea. From what I remember of the track, um, it, it's, it will be an album track that's much more in line with, with Pretty Boy. Okay. Um, it kind of had that electric drum feel to it. I remember it feeling a bit punky um but yeah uh, it seemed like a, a solid no album track but outside of me wondering whether or not it's a track in relation to his divorce i'm afraid mm. i can't remember too much about it they go love is a rich man <laughs> love is a rich man Ooh. yeah I've, I've, I've tried googling to see if i can find the lyrics to get some sort of inspiration on being reminded but um no, i can't find no. anything just yet don't worry then we had dead in the water um and then also finished off with live forever uh so which i take it they were pretty much as you know not massively different from the the versions that we know the and the live forever version obviously from radio 2 from a while back 
Yeah, no, not really much different. So yeah, with Dead in the Water, the the whole band, um, apart from Mike Rowe, kind of left the stage, spotlight down onto onto Noel in the dark, and yeah, it's kind of as you'd expect from that, which was, you know, very tender, great song, um, really good to hear. Um, he obviously regards it a lot. I was mm. with an eight eight set set list or an eight song set list. I was surprised that maybe, and particularly having a full orchestra there, we weren't treated to dead dead to the world. Um, but obviously, you know, it's, it's it's become a modern fan's favorite. So yeah, amazing. And then yeah, with with live forever. Um, I've seen a few things on social media. Obviously, people that weren't actually there saying "Live Forever" is one of those songs that only Liam can sing. But I think it's really quite amazing how Noel's redone that. Um, again, when he did it for Radio Two, I'm just trying to recall. Was there strings on it for that, or was it just in a sort of an acoustic stripped back version? No, I was. Just, I don't think there were strings on it. I think it's just more acoustic-y, but then with sort of you know, he he changed the arrangement, didn't he? So it's a lot more kind yeah. of shimmery. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but I don't exactly. believe there were strings on it. Yeah. Said maybe, don't really want to know. God and grow. Cause I just want to fly. Said lately, did you ever feel the pain? Morning rain. It soaks you to the bone. So yeah, it had that um, had that shimmery kind of sort of sound to it with the, with the changing of the arrangement, but then the strings added as well. So yeah, again, like with hearing "Going Nowhere," and of course it's probably because it's an Oasis song, which uh, means so much to all of us that it was again one of those sort of pinch yourself moments because yes, it's not the song as it was, but it's arguably their greatest song um, or the song that started everything off for them, right? And um, um, yeah, sounding amazing and, and reworked in line and in vain with kind of where Noel's currently at. So yeah, amazing. And then he, yeah, he let he in that kind of chat with Jules. He kind of mentioned how he was going to be doing a a cover. Um, one of the things he said is that working or doing stuff for the BBC, there's always the the pressure to do a cover. Um, and again, going back to the to the interview when he when he said he wanted to do or was going to be doing Love Will Tear Us Apart, um, obviously a iconic Mancunian band. One of the things he was talking about there, and I think he's mentioned it before, was when he was picking up the guitar as a, as a youngster and couldn't really play. One of the things he learned relatively quickly to play was the kind of Joy Division bass lines on the top string of the guitar. So it's a song that's always sort of meant a lot to him. So, yeah really impressive to hear um hear a cover of that as well which was amazing again with the with the orchestra putting in the kind of harmony that you'd expect on that song which was which was really cool
Yeah, I can't wait to hear that one. Um, and then the only other one there is is a, another new song, Open the Door, See What You Find. Yeah. Um, big track. Um, one of those sort of big Noel Sun album tracks, again, with sort of strings and orchestra behind it. So anthemic, right, in, in the kind of vein of the Don't Look Back in Anger or, or Little by Little. He introduced it as a song that, um, will be your favourite song in the next few months or whatever. So he's kind of expecting it to be be a big one in typical Noel Gallagher arrogance. Um, yeah, you know, one listen, can't really remember too much about it. I remember it being slightly more mid-tempo than um, Love is a Rich Man. So again, much more of a traditional Noel Gallagher mid-tempo belt-out pub anthem type track. But yeah, uh, yeah, really excited for the album and and for and for hearing hearing the rest of it but i think now with those tracks and with what we know is going to be on this on the actual track listing i'm not too sure there's going to be that many many new surprises but as always still very excited for a gallagher brother release whenever it happens yeah absolutely so then what happened like as the show ended and things what what how did that sort of work we so yeah it basically just stopped with a round of applause and then um i think Noel was kind of walking off and they, if I recall, they sort of stopped him and wanted him to walk off again in a certain certain way in terms of how they were looking to edit it. Um, and then there was a bit more of Jules Holland and his floor manager asking us to kind of make um, you know, a massive round of applause. Oh, and I think we had to do three different levels of rounds of applause for them to edit into different parts of the show. Um, and then, yeah, then it was kind of lights down and file your way out really and it was off you go into the into the light it wasn't dark it was quarter to nine so it was quite strange finishing a finishing a gig and then off walking home with the uh um with the sun still up which was which was bizarre so yeah a very efficient um organized recording which i'm sure will look very slick and sound amazing once we watch it on tv and to be fair as well it sounded incredible um watching it live because i suppose it is a an amazing theatre that's had lots of money spent on restoring it. So it, yeah, the sound was was fantastic. So I hope that does come across in the TV program as well. Excellent. I, I love that. Like th that to me, like that detail there, you said about having to re-record the walk off and re-record you guys doing three levels of applause. See, that to me, that wouldn't make a, a review or whatever, but that's the fascinating stuff for me, you know, having done a bit of, you know, having been on TV twice for quiz shows like that, I always found really interesting is that that technical stuff of like, you know, I, when I did Mastermind, we had to record the walk to the chair to like yes. my walk to the chair twice or walk back from the chair. And and to the because it was like, OK, everything's done. Sit down, go to the top. Have we got everything we need? And they came back and said, oh, no, James, we need your walk back from the chair again. OK. And then um, and John Humphreys, who's hosting at the time, uh, because we knew I'd won by that point. And he goes like, and try not to look too smug as you do it. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just little things like that, that when they edit it in, you don't notice. Like I say, you would assume it's from live. But then, well, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And you'll but see it more. Well, sorry, you won't see it on the TV, but there was another part of it where after the third song, after Pretty Boy, when he went to do the chat with, with Jules, 
obviously he had to take his in-ears out and then get mic'd up with um, a microphone for the interview, that which he does at the piano with Jules Holland. And then there was the bit of taking that off and then him walking back. So, yeah, that, that took a bit longer than, than, of course, you'll see it on the TV programme. They'll make it look like that was completely seamless. But, yeah, that there's the change of microphone. And then when he walked back, I think with his in-ears back plugged in, they were handing over his shoulder and one of the floor managers kind of stopped him and made him put them right behind his shoulder so you couldn't see him walking back with the in-ears hanging over his jumper. They wanted it to look like they were already in his ears. So, yeah, all the little things that you don't really think about, I suppose. I love that. I love all that, all that technically stuff that you don't notice. Like one of the things I really enjoyed watching Liam on the last tour was that I could see side of the stage, Bonehead and Paul Gallagher chatting to each other. And that to me was as as interesting as watching the band. You know what I mean? I was like, look, there's Paul and Bonet. And then you could see like yeah, Gene absolutely. wander out and, you know, just little things like that. Of Like, you know, I love that kind of, that sort of behind the scenes. It's nice to get that idea of these people just as human beings, just having a chat and just dealing with all the other little crappy bits that sort of, that get sort of, uh, get cut out. But yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that's worth, was worth mentioning was when I was sitting there with um, the school dad, <laughs> Charlie, um, he, we didn't think we were going to actually see his sister because um, we thought that she'd be like ridiculously busy ushering people around or organising Noel or whatever she, she does. But she came and kind of sat behind us before it started recording. Um, so I got introduced to her and was kind of, you know, so, so told her how thankful I was. I mean, I know that she didn't know I was going to be his plus one, but I just kind of told her how I was a, a massive Oasis fan. I had seen them lots of times, but, you know, this was very special. And um, the, the friend that she was with, or who I thought was a friend, turned out to be Gem's Gem's wife. So they they were they were chatting away, and then she obviously, well, not obviously, but knew Charlie, this school dad that I was with. So they were kind of just chatting about kids and and, and normal stuff, and um, which are, you know is is quite of, of course we're all human and we have those conversations. But the conversation that she was having with, with Charlie was because I think Charlie was asking her if she was going to be going out on tour with them in America and she was like, no, I've got to do this with my family and go and do, and, you know, just talking about complete mundane stuff, which was, which was quite funny because for the likes of you or I, it was like the chance to be going out on tour with, you know, the, the, the entire Noel Gallagher machine. It would be something that would be super interesting and, and exciting for us to be involved with. But she was like, no, I'll kind of let them do that. I'm going to be popping back to New Jersey to, to see my family or whatever else, which was quite interesting. Cool. So all in all, a pleasant night was had for all. Indeed. Yeah. Really good. Excellent. And uh, yeah. And and yeah, I'm, I am actually really looking forward to this Noel album now. It's It's been funny because it's been, you know, what, 2017, end of 2017, the last album. But because mm -hmm. he's been like drip feeding tracks basically like every few months for the for the last five years, it's not felt that. It has been a long time. If you think of the, like the gap between the Noel albums has been like the entire history of the Beatles. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But because he's been drip feeding tracks through every, you know, a few every year, it's it hasn't felt like he's been away for five, six, five, six years. But but yeah, it has been a long time since a last album official. I suppose that's just the modern the modern way of it. Totally. Are you are you are you kind of 
looking forward to it more than perhaps you might have thought a few years ago when because I know you know some of your views before have been that you know Noel's got quite lazy with his songwriting well more lazy and um the electronic sound has not really been the kind of thing for you um but now he's kind of come back with that classic songwriting rock um with the full orchestra behind him does that kind of make it a bit more exciting for you do you think yeah, and definitely. And I think, been, especially with this last um, episode that I've been doing these AI, you know, the AI Liam, mm. what if the what if Oasis eighth album stuff, if people haven't heard that one, you know, going back to those Noel Gallagher High Flying Bird songs and hearing them with Liam's vocals, you're like, that's a really good song. And that, that sounds absolutely up there with the best oasis songs you know so so that's definitely i know a lot of people are quite down on ai but that's really given me that extra level of appreciation for those songs that i didn't have before and i think that um and i think that yeah that this next set of songs um yeah i agree like pretty boy didn't blow me away easy now i thought was good but a little bit plodding and um dead to the world i thought was amazing one of my favorite Mm. songs the last few years and then uh then council skies very good song but just the the sort of the the pick and mix nature of it has annoyed me but um but yeah and i think i think it's a bit unfair when if we think of kind of everything post chasing yesterday being this sort of Noel style because this sort of new kind of casio keyboard kind of annoying style because there's been some brilliant stuff in there you know like um sail on rattling rose um a dream is all i need to get by things like that that are really brilliant you know and they're classic classic songwriting it just tends to be the the um some of the other ones that sort of take precedence you were talking in sleep dancing i wasn't too bothered about um so you that they sort of tend to kind of catch the eye a bit more and you sort of forget about those b-sides that are like really good and classic sort of classic Noel stuff but yeah no i'm really looking forward to actually i think it's going to be yeah very exciting to have this sort of new set of songs and gives us stuff to talk about isn't it seeing, seeing him at all on tour this year i haven't booked anything yet i'm going to um it's obviously you've got the summer shows I was actually talking to um, my hairdresser about it yesterday, <laughs> sort of like, well, you know, and she's going to Brighton Beach. I was like, oh, I do need to book something. It's just been a bit of a busy time. I'm not 100% sure when we're around. But yeah, I think I'll, I'll probably leave it until a little bit closer to the time because it always comes up like, you know, oh, such and such needs to get rid of a ticket or whatever. And so you can always yeah. sort of, this thing, you know they're not going to sell out. So you can probably blag it a little bit closer to the time i think uh, and then yeah then the arena tour as well just before christmas would be a good one but i've not booked it yeah what, what about yourself have you got anything booked yeah i'm going to the the one in essex is it saffron walden the, the outdoor one early august i originally had tickets for crystal 
um, Crystal Palace Bowl, but I changed them because I'm going to be on holiday. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually taking my my kids and my wife, which I'm quite excited about. I took my I took my son actually last year to Knoll at um, uh, Kenwood House in North London. I mean, he's nine years old and he absolutely loved it. And I, I mean, I I was 15 when I first saw Oasis, so the fact that he's getting to see Noel at nine years old is incredible. And he, yeah, he really liked it. And my daughter, who will be seven by that point, wants to come this year. So, um, yeah, I'm seven and nine and going to gigs like that. I mean, they're they're pretty <laughs> lucky. <laughs> that is amazing. But I suppose with a Noel gig, it's like you can you wouldn't necessarily want to take a seven year old to see Liam. <laughs> no, no, you're right. They'll get, they'll get stomped and get piss thrown at them. But yeah, but you can an old gig you can cope a little bit a little bit better. Yeah. 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 Well the, the language, the language, because he still swears a lot on stage. So it might just be between songs you might have to cover their ears. That's all. Yeah, it does. But you know, it's a bit of an occupational hazard when you're fans of them. So you have like a lot of interviews on on youtube at home so the, the kids are kind of a bit used to his potty mouth now i think hmm. <laughs> yeah an old guy a guy that i work with actually he saw noel at blenheim palace a few years ago and uh he's an older guy a quite a conservative older chap and uh and he was like, oh, I was really taken aback by the language, you know, <laughs> I was shocked. And I think because he was, because Noel playing at Blenheim Palace was like, all right, you Tory bastards and all this sort of stuff, like ripping the piss out of them for all being yeah. a bunch of uh, old Tories. And uh, which, you know, if you're playing Blenheim Palace, that's Woodstock in Oxfordshire. So it probably is pretty, pretty Tory. And it was a seated sort of, you know, one of these uh, open air seated sort of shows. And yeah, so apparently he ripped into them and, and, my uh, my work colleague was very very offended. Um, cool. Well, look, let's have a quick chat because the next song in the Oasis A to Z is going nowhere. And so, like we were saying, it's sort of like it sort of flagged it up with me. I was like, oh yeah, going nowhere. I need to. And with the timing now, with that being played, uh, was cool. So I mean, going nowhere was that you mentioned earlier. I think that was a big song for you as a as a fan, not just of Oasis, but of Noel's sort of more contemplative and and uh, songwriting side. Yeah, I think in the in the late nineties, the stuff that I'd go back to more regularly in my headphones, anyway, was um, you know like when I was traveling around or whatever. Would it have been a Walkman back then? I don't know what we'd have been listening to. Probably a CD, uh, a personal CD player, or wouldn't have been an MP3 player yet. Um, was definitely those kind of Noel B sides. Um, I had tape compilations made, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so from from that album, the B sides. I'm just trying to think what they were. So you obviously had um, Angel Child, right, as well on. Do you know what I mean? And I think flashbacks on, on all around the world. So with that and going nowhere, in in my head anyway, they kind of they kind of come as a bit of a collection. Um the fame as well, I sort of think of that again, because it was an old B side, even though that's a bit more rocky. Um, but particularly those those three that I just mentioned, I kind of yeah, they've they've always been, yeah, just they've meant a lot to me. They've been those sort of songs that when you listen to them, they probably, you know. All things to all people. Anyone that's mm. a that's a fan of those songs takes what they think they can hear or the songs are about from them. And yeah, I've I've certainly always done that. I think looking at going nowhere particularly, it reminds me of being at university. And I didn't go to university until 1999, so it would have been a few years after it was released. But yeah, I particularly remember taking the the lyrics quite literal and 
listening to Going Nowhere while I was getting a train from Suffolk, where I'm from, down to Portsmouth on the south coast to go, go into university and trying to kind of derive my own meaning from that song and thinking, yes, Noel knows exactly how I feel. And, and, <laughs> Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sure a lot of us did. But yeah, so yeah, it means it means a lot to me from, from that time, really, which is, you know, a few years after it, you would have heard it rather than it being when it came in 1997. But yeah, and, you know, I, I don't think I'd have been aware of like the, the Burt Bacharach influence, those, those kind of soaring strings or, or what he was trying to do. I would have known who Burt Bacharach was, but I certainly wouldn't have been listening to his music. But I think that song particularly stood out because it was quite different, right? It wasn't just a Noel B side on acoustic guitar. It had a bit more, a bit more to it. Um, yeah. So the sound of it was great. And lyrically as well, when I, when I look at it, I kind of, I don't know if he meant it like that, but for me, and I, I don't know if you feel the sort of same thing about it, but there's kind of like, three modes of emotion really in terms of what he's what he's singing about there's that the kind of chorus how it starts where he kind of mentions um you know i hate the way that you've taken back everything that you've given to me etc cetera, etc cetera. it's kind of like he's you know he's quite angry looking back um on, on how someone maybe his dad or whoever it might be is has made him feel and then it kind of goes to the to the to the pre-chorus, which is like him rebelling against that. You know, I'm going to get me a motor car, maybe a Jaguar. It's like sort of shouting out that, you know, you, you kind of can't, you can't put me down. Mm. Um, and then it goes to the actual chorus bit, which is him then reflecting on on the reality, which is here I am going nowhere on a train. I kind of like how it builds. It's sort of three stages of emotion. It's just, you know, I'm pissed off. This is how you make me feel. Then it's that, but I'm going to do this about it. I'm feeling a bit stronger. And then it's actually the reality is I can't. And this is this is where I am. Yeah, I 
So it's kind of there's sort of three different levels to to emotion there, and I don't I don't know if that's me reading too much into it. If you ever you get a chance to speak to Noel about his lyrics, he probably <laughs> said, "Ah, oh, no, it's got nothing to do with that." But in terms of that comment I, I mentioned earlier about you know all things to all people, that's really what what I took from it. Not that I was in a in a bad place or had a bad background, but that melancholy of of Noel's tracks for what for whatever reason is always always sort of spoken to me and yeah I think that's that's really quite clever even though he doesn't write another verse right it's kind of similar to the, the laziness of cast no shadow just thinking this is good enough I'll, I'll repeat it again yeah it would have been great to have the verse yeah yeah no I agree I think that's really interesting that the way you've you've broken it down there that those three kind of emotional stages but I haven't really thought about it like that but that's that's a really yeah, I really like that. I really like that interpretation. I mean, when he's talked about it in the past, he's only ever really focused on the <clears throat> the pre-chorus and the chorus. You know, he talked about, um, you know, yeah, that's about us when we got no money, wanting to get out and all the things we'll do when we've got money. And he's, I think the, the comment he makes in the master plan uh, inlay card is, I just wish I could find a different rhyme word than car Jaguar, you know, because he's used that a few times. But um yeah, but but then one of the things I've and, and so that section, you know, he's, there's a lot of that, you know, about um, whether it's rock and roll star or do you want to be a spaceman? There's various like I want to get out of this town, you know, yeah. and, and make it, you know, that's that's a, a theme that runs through a lot of the early stuff. And we know, even though this came out in 97, that it had been written pre Oasis, I think around about 1990, I believe. Um, and so, yeah, but but. What I find really interesting is that first verse, because, well, only verse, because mm -hmm. um, who's he talking to here? I, I yeah. love the, the the fact you've said his dad. I think that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of his dad. I actually just asked on Twitter earlier, who do we think it's about? Because he says, yeah, I hate the way that you've taken back everything you've given to me and the way that you'd always say it's nothing to do with me. Different versions of many men come before you came. All their questions were similar. The answer is just the same. So, that to me, it, I was thinking it's like, because, you know, we, we, he'd had the in spiral carpets, he'd had different sort of, you know, in, interactions with various people in the music industry, but never made it. Yeah. And so I was thinking maybe it's these sort of, he's pissed off, he's gone for a, a, an audition or whatever and, and peed off that they've not then, you know, they've promised him the world and then it's not not happened for yeah. him. Sticking it's, it to the man or whatever. Yeah, so I, I thought it might be that. But then I just asked on Twitter and, and we've got people thinking it's like maybe it's to his um, his girlfriend at the time, like Louise. Um, uh, yeah. And so so I don't know. But then if it's a girlfriend, why would there be that that point about different versions of many men who've come before you came? So it is a man. So that's why I think it's that different versions of many men come before you came. That's why I think it is just this conveyor belt of people that he thinks he's going to give him the opportunity and then it doesn't happen, 
You know what I mean? But that's my interpretation of it anyway. You know, or he's just he's he's his way of sort of storytelling the the whole thing of you know, the system being set up for the average man to not to not succeed or to not get on. Because I suppose if he wrote it in the early nineties, you know, he might have still been in that way of thinking of you know from the eighties that he talks about a lot. You know, that being sort of stuck in Manchester, no real mm. opportunities apart from kicking a football round or smoking and drinking or, or, or whatever. So, yeah. And then obviously if it was then written in the early nineties, when he was working with the Inspiral Carpets, he would have probably started to see a bit more about how the music industry worked and mm. whether he was thinking I can do better than this, or, you know, I'm going to be better to do better than this. And hence the reason for the, for the pre-chorus a bit about, you know, the Jaguar and the plane and whatever else, that kind yeah. of middle ground of knowing that things have been a bit shit, but actually I'm quite confident I'm going to push through that and get a better life for myself. I could do with a motor car, maybe a Jaguar, maybe a plane or a day of fame. I want to be a But then it drops back down with the, but the reality mm. is here am I going nowhere on the train. And then the only other lyrics are that bit when it sort of, when it extend, extends the chorus, when it's like, um, what is it? When I'm lost and lonely. You've got lyrics in front of you there. Yeah. It's lost and lonely. Uh, well, yeah. Have I, um... Sad and only. Why sometime? Because my life feels so tame. Yeah. Love yeah. that. That's it's just, you know, and, and that's in terms of the structure of it as well. You have that verse, pre-chorus, chorus, verse, pre-chorus, chorus. And then with that chorus, the way it extends it a little bit and it goes on. Um, and you know what? This is something I've, I very, very rarely do on the podcast. And I typically get other people to pick up a guitar and show the chords. But this is one I can play. So I'm going to. <laughs> so I'm going to. Uh, I don't know how this is going to pick up, but we're going to give it a go anyway. Yes, um, I had a look I'm... at the guitar chords yesterday. I mean, I, I'm not good. I'm in no way good enough to be playing this on the podcast, but... Um, uh-huh. Whereas I didn't give a shit. Isn't it? Pressure's on uh-huh. you now. Go on, and so so we've got an... It's a, so the verse uh, is very, very simple. It just goes between these two chords, A and B7 add 11. So it's basically... Yeah. Take the way that you've taken back everything you've given to me and that just goes all throughout which is it's just a lovely thing but when you think about the chords it's actually very very simple just jumping around between two chords and the melody na 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 taken back and and then so it's just na 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 and that's something he does quite a lot just goes up and down on two notes yeah so it's actually not that complex but then you get the everything you've given to me. So there's a little bit more there. And then even in the pre-chorus, then you go into D. Gonna get me a mo. That's all on one note. 
Gonna get me a motor car, maybe a Jaguar, maybe a train or a day off. Rain. You go to the A, which is lovely. Um, gonna be a millionaire, so can you take me there? Gonna be wild, cause my life's so tame. Here am I. Going nowhere on a train. And then you get an ASUS 2. ASUS 2, yeah. Which is just lovely. I love that. So you know and then so it's it, and i love that difference there between the, the normal a and then that asus 2 so it's just the it's that wistfulness isn't it like like we and, and like you talked about those two levels of emotion when we're in the pre-chorus it's bright open chords d and a but then when we get into that wistful here might we go back to the major uh, d what's that the b major seventh yeah uh, and then the uh, and then the A sus, so it's that that having that that because it, it could go older in the rain, which is just a lovely word. Older in the rain, it just adds yeah. that that um, wistfulness, you know, and that sadness and that dreaming. Sit, you can imagine him sitting out the train window, looking out the window, feeling like ah. Oh. Whereas if he's looking out the window. That's like, I'm going to make it, but... Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm not sure. You know what I mean? I love that. Definitely. Yeah, no, no, it's great. When you start talking about it and looking at it like that, that difference between those two A chords, you're absolutely right. I was looking in my guitar chord book as well, and it says to tune the guitar slightly sharp when playing it as well. So whether that makes a slight difference to the sound, I'm not sure. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's bizarre. <laughs> wow. But yeah, but I love it. Um, and then so, so yeah, structure, very basic, but just those little things, just those little things make such a difference. And then, and then the, the, but then the main thing, obviously, that people talk about is that the Burt Bacharachy nature of it. Mm -hmm. And that's, I was, I mean, having, Noel, having talked about Burt Bacharach, I did go out and buy myself a, a Best of Burt Bacharach album. Um, and so, yeah, so I was very aware of his stuff around this time. And yeah, and then so when this came out, uh, well, it was it comes from like the reading the Be Here Now review that I've mentioned a few times on here when I was on holiday before it came out and and it talked about Don't Go Away of having Bacharach style horns. I'm thinking, oh, uh, yes, yes, I yes, love okay. the Bacharach style horns. And so, yeah, so then getting that in, in going nowhere. But but the main thing for me about it is like if you go to, I think there's like three stages of the Oasis B-sides. You've got the very early where it's just an acoustic and a, maybe a tambourine or a little bits of embellishment. And then once again, the later years, the B-sides felt a bit knocked off. Whereas mm -hmm. at this point, the amount of time and care and attention put to these B-sides, who brings in a full string section and, and this legendary kind of composer, um, arranger, Nick Ingman, you know, Ooh, who I yeah. interviewed. Who does that? Who brings those? Who does that for B sides? You know, it's amazing that the amount of time and effort, and and this was on the Stand by Me single, where you then also have the um, the tracks, the other two tracks, My Sister Lover and uh, I Got the Fever, blurring into each other and stuff. Yes. Whereas this, you know, so it's like they were taking so much time and care and effort, you know, and just the the production, that horn line is gorgeous, and the strings. As they come up, it's just a, yeah. a remarkable piece of production. Yeah, it's amazing. Do we know if the if these B sides were recorded within the same sessions as the album tracks for Be Here Now? I don't know off the top of my head, actually. Because obviously, there's that view that you know Be Here Now became completely 
overblown but then with with songs such as this it's kind of it feels much more considered right so you wonder if it was a if it was a, diff a different session yeah yeah I don't know I mean I know that Nick it was funny when I when I spoke to Nick Ingman and I mentioned about going nowhere and he said oh no I don't remember that one and then I pinged him a link and he messaged me back Oh yeah, I do remember that one. Yeah, so you know, but you know, someone like that. Obviously, he's just like, you know, okay, what's next today? Okay, Michael Bublé. Okay, what's next? You know, yeah, what's next? Yeah. Like some film. Well, you know, I wonder also as well. I mean, I, I read somewhere. I was just doing a bit of research on the track, but apparently, Noel and Alan White were the only actual Oasis members involved in the tune. So I wonder if it was a case of. Um, you know, him not thinking at that point in time that he was working on a on a on a big Oasis track. I don't I don't know. It might have just been a two names that were just assigned to it rather than it being Oasis. Who knows? Who knows? Mm. Yeah, well, I suppose that's different, isn't it? If you're if you're in Abbey Road and you've got everyone around you and and stuff yeah. doing like all around the world. It's funny because he did he did the whole album. Be here now. He did various stuff on various tracks. But when I've interviewed, you know, and it's like he just talks about all around the world he remembers he's got like these three memories of all around the world and he just sort of repeats those and that's about it yeah which is understandable i mean like various things that you know you've done gigs you've been to and stuff that's it you might remember two things and and that's it the rest is just gone isn't it yeah yeah absolutely and i, I think know. is it paul weller's favorite um favorite oasis track i think i have heard well. that yeah i remember hearing that he, he loved it i think he picked it as his favorite song of the year or something 97 um yeah. Yeah, never played live until until you saw it a couple of days ago. Um, now, would you, I suppose it's because it's sort of, with all of the horns and the strings and everything, he could have done it as like a little acoustic one in the acoustic sort of set. Um, but yeah. he wasn't doing acoustic sets in 97, 98. That was the full band. And so it would have then been, well, it wouldn't really have fit. I suppose it's maybe, it's one that he could have revisited like, when him and Gem did the the sort of the the those sort of, uh, yeah. those acoustic ones, two thousand seven, around then. But yeah, other than that, I don't see how he could have recorded it. But what would you have had? Were you think it was the right thing to have it a B side? Would you have had it as a single or an album track? Uh, well, I love being here now because of the moment in time for for me, right? So you know, it, I think it's quite easy for us to kind of go back and say, you know, certain songs, Magic Pie, for example, could be taken off and and replaced with with Going Nowhere. Um, so no, in, in in my opinion, kind of keep it where it is. You know, it was, but for many of us, those Oasis tracks being B sides were what was special to Oasis about us, right? It was kind of sure. even though millions of us knew about it, we kind of liked mm. the fact they weren't the most the most famous tracks. So yeah, it's part of the Oasis story that I like. Um, and when I look at Be Here Now, um, particularly for you know a good five or six years after it was released, I was continuing to play it in its entirety, even though maybe some of the songs weren't that strong, or at least the recordings were overblown. Um, so I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change the album. But that being said, um, for me, it is a, a better song than say Magic Pie. What about yeah. you? No, I agree. I think that, yeah, you don't want to have too many null vocals and it could have sat nicely on the album, but I think it works better as a, for, for what Be Here Now was, 
it wouldn't have yeah. suited. So yeah, so no, I, I think as a B side, it's perfect. And like, absolutely agree. It's sort of, you know, because it wasn't just like so many other bands. It's like an album, and then that's the big thing. Whereas with us at the time, it was like sort of similar to now. Really, like we're saying about Noel kind of passing out these tracks over the year, over the the, the months. You did get the opportunity of like, oh, here's another one. Here's another one. You know, it was just sort of uh, really exciting to get them. Um, so yeah, loved it. Um, let's just see. One other thing we haven't mentioned on the song is the um, the kind of outro or the coda. I think that's quite quite special as well. I think the chords, or at least, is a, a different kind of mix of the chords, albeit the same the same seven chords. But um, I kind of like the guitar solo that starts to play over it with the with the piano riff as it's kind of playing out i think that's a really nice way for the song to finish as well almost makes up for the fact that there's only the same verse repeated twice Yeah, no, no, it's fantastic. And and looking at the uh, Twitter poll I did, uh, five out of five got 28%, four got 40%, three got 25%, two got 7%. Who would have given this a two? Come on. <laughs> Who would have given that song a two? Uh, I think Sean... from, from my point of view, it's a four, but I, I after hearing it on, um, on on Tuesday and it being kind of, the topic of conversation it's made me revisit it a bit so so right now i put it as a five but i think the re reality is once that buzz drops down it's a four for me yeah no i agree it's probably a four for me as well um sean wright says just put you in a good mood scott uh scott seymour three says five a song that feels very personal to noel which always makes for something special masterpiece in the art of melancholy subtle and refined which was unusual for the era Underrated guitar work near the end, which you mentioned there. Surprise Noel hasn't played it before. Fits the uh, Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds brief well. Um, DD says, I probs really should have given this a four, but I've, it's not one I've paid too much attention to, so I gave it a three. But it's a tune that makes me smile when I hear it because I love the lyrics. makes me giggle. I married one of those men. I probably don't listen to this one enough. <laughs> okay. Um, Hub. Hub281997 says, uh, a very boring, boring song. If it was longer and more instrumental variation in it and Blur made it, it would have been one of Blur's best. For Oasis, it was it is waiting time till Oasis power begins again and songs with much more greater lyrics. It's interesting. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't have ever said that it's boring, but yeah. there you go. Um, Susie in the Sky says, love that one. Probably one of my faves sung by Noel. Love the strings and horns and the lyrics as well. I'm going to be a millionaire, so can you take me there? Want to be wild because my life's so tame. Um, Mark Nolden, it's unusual, subtle, and paved the way for parts of Noel's solo stuff. Important but not brilliant. Can't forgive the car and Jaguar rhyme, though. <laughs> yes, that is very true. <laughs> and uh, we'll do two more Um 90s football memories great twitter account when i first heard it i thought it was amazing but over the years i've come to hate it no real reason why as i love oasis wow okay you're not my favorite 90s football account anymore mate um 
Trevor Duncan said, it has its place on Master Plan, but could have fit on any album they did. Easily relatable song two that's as catchy as they come, Peak Knoll, B-side. And we'll end with Richard, shall we? A hankering for something less massive, some shoddy lyrics and arrangement reflecting the age of the song, but the production and instrumentation is a touch of class and elegance missing from other songs of the era. Richard knows how to talk about music, doesn't he? Um, yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, look, any closing thoughts before we fox to Oscar? No. Um, just, you know, from, from my point of view, sorry that I've not been on here, on, on here sooner. I've been kind of enjoying the content in the background, but um, keep up the great work, James. It's, um, it, it's, always, it's always great when a new pod drops into our, um, into our phone. So, yeah, um, I'll continue to enjoy the show and, um, hopefully I'll get I'll be on again at some point soon yeah well but that's when you when you uh bump into Noel again and actually get a get a full <laughs> chat with him then then you can grab an exclusive interview there we are yeah we can finally start to ask him some of the questions that we actually want to ask him yeah, um, yeah. well you know what? I was talking to Richard about that the other day because this whole like you know Noel doing all this sort of range of new interviews now and I did I, I don't even think I emailed this time I normally email and just you just don't even get a reply you know, there's, or, or I think there's one person, but he's like works for the American management and he'll reply yeah. and say, oh, sorry, it's not me. It's this person, you know, and then, and then that's it. Everything else, it just goes into a black hole of no response. And to be fair, yeah. you know, you understand it because the Oasis pod is such a small fry and then he does, he does so much bigger ones, but, but I've sort of given up asking now. Um, and Yet when you, uh, but it was funny, I was joking with Richard. It's like, yeah, it would be great to actually ask those questions. But in reality, if I did get the interview, what would I say? I'd probably just be like, uh, uh, so what's, tell me yeah, about I your think, songwriting also, process. I know. And all, all of the things that we either want to overanalyze or they mean a lot to us for all those, all the reasons that we know, he probably doesn't know, right? Yeah. Because we're the ones that think about it a lot more. For him, it's much more, you know, a great example of when, um, what was the track he played a few a few years ago live and he said, this is the first time I've ever played it. And then suddenly, you know, Twitter explodes with, well, actually it's been played 135 times. So, you know, all the things that you think are completely interesting and you'd love to pick his brains on, I'm sure he's got no, no clue on because they're just the parts of his life, you know, like the day-to-day -day things that he does like we might do in terms of going shopping or whatever it might be that we don't think about. It's his job, right? Or, or, or part of just what he does. And it's, mm. he's not thinking about it as much. So maybe it wouldn't be as interesting as we think, even though it would mean everything to us. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And, and like with the, like for instance, with this one, you know, I'd love to get just someone to go down. If, if Matt Morgan did it, like, you know, we do always say to Zed, if Matt Morgan, he hasn't done anything with Matt Morgan for ages since that last controversy uh, a mm. few months ago. But if Matt every week just said, right, <clears throat> A to Z, let's just go through all your songs and, and just talk about each one. Because we've got the notes, you know, when he has been asked about. But, you know, we've been asked about Live Forever and all these other songs so many times. We, we, know, we know the story inside out. But, yeah, yeah, no one's ever asked him about Going Nowhere. We've literally got a couple of lines on the you know, the master plan to, you know, a couple of little mentions, maybe in, you know, um, an interview that came out in the NME in 1997 or whatever. But, you know, what about all of these other songs that, 
that you know that have never been discussed sitting here in silence on my own and things like that i'd love to yeah. just dig into each of those and just sit there and listen to them with him and, and just sort of get the full lowdown on them but um yeah like who is the person like when like we're talking about in the first verse there is it his dad is it i mean but then you're right you probably would say i don't know i just i i went no 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 and it felt right to sing you know hate the way that you've taken back and that might have just been he's nicked it off of a bloody you know slave b-side or whatever and, and it means do we, do we think that's the reality that we thought no one ever says that do, do we do we think he really does deep down no but he'd rather just portray the mystique for people to take what they want from the music do you think he, he really does know I think it's a mixture. I think it's a mixture. I think, you know, like with, with James Hargreaves is sort of deep sort of breakdowns of, oh, it means this and stuff. I don't think it's that deep. And, and so I don't think James does either. I think he's just <laughs> hypothesizing for fun. But I think it's a mixture. I think it might be that, you know, like in um, like in the Beatles and stuff, it's like, you know, when when you're choosing a rhyme, it's like, well, that could kind of tie in with that and it could tie in with that. But it just sort of works. And so you think, yeah, that works. You know what I mean? You just go with it. And it, it could be it could be various things. Um, and what whether he was specifically thinking of his dad or of, you know, being turned down from these viral carpets or being, you know, or is he writing it from the point of view as, as a woman, you know, who's had all these different men yeah. in their lives? You know, you never know. It could be could be any of those things, really. Or, as I said, but but it's a lot often I think it is that. Um, what's the phrase? What's the word when you don't? it's not immediately what you're thinking about but then it's just coming through your subconscious subconscious oh subconscious <laughs> um yeah maybe it's just subconscious maybe it's just he's coming out with it he's not actually deliberately meaning to come out with this thing that's uniquely personal to him but subconsciously those are the words he chooses and and so you can then go well he didn't mean it but actually you know like with you know with with films and stuff where the film director you know, they might not be meaning it to be about their relationship with their mother, but all the characters always seem to have weird mummy issues. And you're like, uh, I think that might be a subconscious thing sneaking through there. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, no, um, yeah, right yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, look, Remy, thank you very much for your time today, mate. It's been an absolute no, it's pleasure. Been, yeah, it's been, been great chatting with you and, and uh, really good to connect. Yeah. And um, do you want to let the people know where they can find you online or would, are you too? Uh, <laughs> is that would you rather not? No, they can. I mean, I'm not, I'm not that exciting. I do post the odd thing of uh, an Oasis gig that I might get to go to. Um, I'm best found on, on Twitter, which is my surname, Vasiluk. That's my handle, W-A-S-Y-L-U-K. Um, yeah, feel free to follow me um, or you'll find me on, uh, on Instagram. But any nuggets of wisdom that I might want to share or talk about will generally be on, on Twitter. So, yeah, connect Fantastic. with me on there. If oh, and just want... finally, we'll we'll end with your favourite Oasis song. Have you got a particular favourite Oasis song? Oh, oh. <laughs> I knew this was coming. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, slide away. I think for me, it's the the perfect Oasis song. It's the um, the meaning in it, the sound, um, the attitude, the guitar. I think for me, it's the ultimate Oasis song. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, can't argue with that. Cool. All right. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. Nice one, James. Speak to you soon.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Fantastic to catch up with Remy. Great guy. And um, yeah, it was just... The way he described that going nowhere in the three phases, you know, that really summed it up. I hadn't thought of it like that. I'd noticed sort of the the different um, ways in which that the emotion changed throughout it, but I'd never thought of it in like those three sort of conflicting emotions. Um, so I thought that was really good. And uh, yeah, apologies for my guitar playing and singing. Um, all right, that will do it for today. Uh, most of all, Thank you for listening. Most of all, thanks go to our patrons. You put your money where your mouth is and it's greatly appreciated. Do please go and follow over on YouTube. Um, There's some good fun stuff I've done over there recently. Plus also I'm working on um, some football related videos for YouTube. So I think should do very well. So uh, hopefully they'll be good. Uh, I call it the Oasis Podcast Network on YouTube and it sort of gives me a bit more scope to do other stuff, not just talking about Oasis. So Um, Yeah, so do please go and follow over there. Link is in the notes of this episode. Give us a follow on social media, at Oasis Podcast on Twitter, Oasis Pod on Instagram. Feel free to drop me an email. It's always nice to hear from you, oasispod at gmail.com. And that will do it. As ever, stay in touch, stay engaged, and stay young. today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.